0: Hey there, and welcome to Thrivers, nonprofit leadership for the next normal. I'm your host, Tucker Wanamaker, the CEO of Thrive Impact, and our mission is to solve nonprofit leader burnout because burnout is the enemy of creating positive change. And we wanna connect you with impactful concepts and mission-driven leaders so that you can learn to thrive in today's nonprofit landscape. I'm joined today, as usual, by my wonderful co-host, Sarah Fanslau. Hey, Sarah, good to be here with you today.
1: It's very
0: great to be here. You know, we um, we want to go real like specific of the of a concept that has grown to be one of those ones that I think by surprise a little bit, uh, didn't realize how, how much it would catch fire of sorts within our both our organization and other organizations. But one that as we've unpacked and nonprofit leaders have come back to us and said, oh, yeah, we started incorporating that like that's been really helpful. Uh, we thought we'd just get into it and talk about that, this particular one that has really helped with psychological safety. It's helped with creating a lighter environment. It's helped with, what What other things, Sarah, has this concept helped with uh, around what we're trying to do?
1: GSD, Tucker, GSD, which is get stuff done <laughs> in this GSD, podcast. GSD, I love it. <laughs> it helps to GSD, y'all.
0: That's right. I love it. Well, and this concept is, we call it the skateboard analogy. Um, and in the skateboard analogy, uh, this actually comes from uh, web development and and uh, or in just development in general from a coding perspective. But something that we've applied to the nonprofit landscape, which is uh, if you're trying to build a big beautiful car, as an example, instead of building all the little mini components like building the tire and the chassis and the door and all these pieces and then hopefully coming out with the big, beautiful car that hopefully people like, maybe, but maybe. Yeah, exactly. They may like it. Maybe not. Instead of building that big, beautiful car, what if we built a minimum viable transportation vehicle first? Because people can't interact with a tire really. I mean, what are they going to do with it? They can't get anywhere with it. They're not no. going to inter- What are they going to do with a door? Like they can't do anything with a door, but with a skateboard, the minimum viable transportation vehicle, they can actually get from point a to point b now it's going to feel clunky it might be their legs might get tired it's It's going to be it's going to it's a little hard but yet the skateboard analogy is instead of you know building that big beautiful car one piece at a time build a minimum viable transportation vehicle like a skateboard and then and learn from what people shared and say you know what my legs are a little tired what if we upgraded that and added a couple wheels and the handlebar and make it a scooter and then people go from there like, oh, what if we um, what if we actually turn it into a bike? What if we put some pedals on it and made it two big wheels and then we can go a little faster and then we upgrade and we upgrade and we upgrade up to where we get to the big, beautiful car. But one that has actually, in a sense, been co-created along yep. the way. So that's this concept that we've been talking about. But why, Sarah, why is it from your perspective? Why is this so important? Why is this such a big deal? Why is this grown? in our work to be actually such an incredibly important framework that we use all the time.
1: Yeah, it's you know it's crazy because it's one that I didn't have language for before I came to Thrive Impact, um, but one that I definitely felt the need for. Uh, and I'm sure you all have as well, right? You're working on something. It's not perfect, and you want to share it, right? That's the scenario here. <laughs> um, and so skateboard is useful for so many different things. Um, what it does, I think, in a lot of ways is help people uh, especially those who may struggle with perfectionism, get something out and down and then share it with others for feedback and co-creation before it's complete. Um, and, and I think that's one of the, the, biggest, uh, the biggest use cases here is that just giving people uh, the language and the tool to share early, share fast and make it better. What about you? what are what are some of the use cases you've seen?
0: Well, I mean, you just hit on a challenge that I've had, which is being too perfect or trying mm-hmm. to be too perfect, which i've 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 definitely learned from a personal experience that a lot of that is based in fear. Uh, a lot of that can be based in fear of of you know showing that maybe I don't have all my stuff together yet or yeah. or fear of judgment. Um, there' there's fear. Underneath perfectionism, there's really fear. Uh, yeah. At least what I've experienced in my own lived experience as a leader. And and I think what I've learned uh, in both, you know, doing this myself in terms of creating my own skateboard, as well as uh, helping other, you know, other groups do this, is that it created a lighter environment around creativity, mm-hmm. created a lighter environment around testing and trying and, and, and you said the word too, which is co-create. It created a space that people felt like they could see potentially their voice in, um, or their feedback in, or something to that effect, and it's actually sped up the process uh, of creating things in general.
1: It speeds it up, and I think it makes it better. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things we often there's a odd tension where, in many places, we don't want to show anything until it's done or it's good enough because it's not done and it's not good enough. But the problem is if we don't show it until it's done and good enough, then we have a really hard time being open to change around Mm -hmm. it, right? Because no, this is the finished thing, right? This is done. And so I think part of what skateboard does is open up this avenue for people to seek advice and input um, in a way that's safe for them uh and save for others
0: um so let's uh, let's get into specifics so like obviously i'm assuming unless you're like a car manufacturing nonprofit, which i doubt there are any out there but uh what does a big beautiful car even mean like what are some cases and specific things that we're we can get into that helps people understand this concept
1: Yeah. So one of them for us is the impact pyramid. If y'all have been listening to our podcast before, you know that that is the frame we use to help people develop their strategic direction. Uh, It's a three-part pyramid, um, sometimes 3.5, but at the top Mm -hmm. is a vision in the middle of the pyramid is impact. That's the real difference you make in the world. And at the bottom of the impact pyramid are, is your, are your programs essentially. And I say 3.5 because lately organizations have been adding kind of culture to the impact layer as a way to outline the fact that we can't do impact in the world without having positive impact in our organization first, Love that. Um, which we love, of course. But so what we do when we take folks on this journey of strategic planning uh, is we do around five iterations of the impact pyramid, and we start with a perfectly imperfect version of it, Uh right? It is on purpose, as you like to say, not right, Mm -hmm. (laughs) not completely right. And I think sometimes, Tucker, you even say, you know, I might have drawn this on the back of a napkin. I don't love that one because I'm like, wait, no, we did a lot of work to get here. (laughs) It's not back of napkin. But the point you're making is that this isn't right, right? This Mm -hmm. is almost transient, right? Uh Uh, And so what we're doing is helping people know that we, we're starting somewhere and we're going to grow it and change it over time as we get new information in. And so we mm-hmm. actually call it the journey of the impact pyramid. And we help people see the data we're going to collect at different points in the journey in order to create another or a next version. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with one of our clients, I think, you know, Greater National Mental Health and Cynthia Whitaker, the CEO, has been a guest here on this podcast. With her organization, I think we created five iterations or versions of the impact pyramid over about, you know, a five-month process of data gathering, voice gathering, um, working with a team to say, what does the data mean and what does it show? And then putting that into versions of the impact pyramid until it felt really right. And what I love about this, and we joke about this all the time, is we got to the last board meeting with greater national mental health and you know this was the time when the board was going to sign off on the strategic direction and you know you never know how things are going to go but everyone was just in complete agreement with what was there and i jokingly said we co-created this thing to death or rather to life rather (laughs) which is that you have gotten so much feedback on a thing over time that's what skateboard allows you to do by the end hopefully everyone's just completely on board because you've spent all this time working with people to get it right. Right. And it is the big, beautiful car at the end. It is. So that's one case study that I love, but I, and I know you have a, a bunch of others.
0: Well, there's this one activity that we do, uh, that we've done in person that we can't do this. Uh, one day we'll figure out how to do this on zoom, but we've done this activity in person, uh, which is called the marshmallow challenge. And some of you, if you've ever done this before, it's just a fun activity. Basically what it is, is you break up into groups. This is a great team building reflection type of activity. You break up into groups, usually about four to six people, uh, and everybody gets a big marshmallow, a bunch of raw spaghetti sticks, <laughs> and like 10 pieces of tape. Nice. And the goal of the activity is in 18 minutes, whoever has the highest freestanding uh tower with a marshmallow on top wins. It's so fascinating. It's fascinating because like team dynamics, like who's jumping in, whatever. But Sarah, you know who always wins fastest between all types of people, kids, adults, everybody in between, uh, which that is everybody. Uh, Who do you think wins the fast or who, who do you think typically wins?
1: The people who try it out a number of times and get it wrong.
0: Exactly. And it's usually kids. Yeah, it's engineers or kids. So engineers, because they yeah. already know how to build something. <laughs> but it's yeah. it's kids when it comes to. And there was actually a whole case on this and a study on this. Uh, it was the kids who actually typically would win, even in a competition with adults. And the reason why is because they would try something before planning. Right. They learned by doing mm. as opposed, as opposed to learn by planning. Yeah. Um, and so what typically what adults do is we tend to go at it and like deliberate, right? We think about it Yeah. versus what the kids do is they're like, I don't know, let's see if this works. (laughs) Like, let me put
1: these marshmallows and sticks together. (laughs)
0: Yeah, no, they literally, that's exactly what it is, right? They they create the skateboard and realize, oh, that didn't really work. Uh, Let's try it this way. And then they created the scooter, right? And then they build their big, beautiful, not car, but you know, their big, beautiful pyramid or whatever they're making. And kids tend to be the ones that try because they're, they're not dealing, you know, based upon this study, they're not dealing with the psychological pressures of coming across in a smart way or, or, you know, anything like that. And so that's what I've loved about that particular challenge is we actually, many times will reflect on that with teams, uh, around, uh, why is it, cause why is it that most of the time, the last like one to two minutes, everybody's like scrambling they're like right. oh crap oh crap oh crap <laughs> like we got to do something we got to do something right because well what yeah. did you do for the first 16 minutes <laughs> planned we planned right. right yeah um but that's where there was a, but there was a lot of risk to those teams yeah right and many times sometimes they get something that gets put up and sometimes they don't they like all right let go it's like three two one they have to let go and then it just falls to the ground but they didn't learn what worked as they went along the, uh, the journey And so that big, beautiful car, if you will, or that marshmallow tower uh, had a lot of risk built into it because they didn't create the steps to learn in a sort of agile, iterative way. Um, It's a fascinating activity.
1: And I think one thing that's interesting about that is that's almost counterintuitive for people. You know, I think sometimes you think, oh, you know, trialing and testing, I may fail, um but trialing and testing at a small scale is actually less risky right than spending all of this time planning to fail big and so i think this idea of risk is a really interesting one when you think about skateboard and actually asks us to rethink our uh, thoughts on risk altogether right it's actually way riskier to spend all this time trying to plan something for then it to fail rather than trying and failing fast um, but so many of us are just so scared of the fear of failure, however, the size, right? That we put more time into planning rather than trying with the thought that planning is going to lead to less failure rather yeah. than trying.
0: Well, and Sarah, I'd love for you to share a little bit about this. Um, you know, we're, we have a, we have a program called Thrivers. Uh, we're doing it with, the uh, Pikes Peak Community Foundation right now. It's a six month program. And we just wrapped up a three part workshop series called the impact in the story, which we're going to go deeper in actually in a couple of weeks with the Pike Peak Community Foundation uh, and some of the learnings behind that. But one learning in particular was how did we create the space of learning quickly in the room? Like, what did you notice around the skateboard analogy being applied in a a learning environment where multiple organizations are there? They're all trying to learn around impact evaluation and storytelling. What did you notice around how this was applied and helpful from a learning perspective?
1: Yeah, I mean, so, you know, at, at Thrive Impact, we we use action learning or experiential learning models, um, which research shows us, you know, helps improve satisfaction and generate learning outcomes better than traditional, you know, teacher to peer learning. And one of the pieces at the base of that is making the the learning about the real work, right? Is actually the doing. And so in this impact into Story Energizer, for in each of the two, we had three two hour series or sessions rather, we had folks work in the room. And so for example, in the first session, it was all around logic models, basically understanding the impact at the base of your organization. And, you know, we showed folks a a relatively accessible form of a logic model because those can be scary and logic models just like outline how the activities of your program align outline align with the change you want to make we showed them an accessible one in the form of a storyboard and then we re- literally gave them a google slide version that they could create in the room they did so and then they shared it with each other and got feedback and this model of learning you know again is, is very research-based and folks have shown that these series of doing sharing and reflecting really help to codify the learning gains and also support the development of critical thinking skills so you know again the skateboard it's not just about creating the process it's the product rather it's also about creating the conditions under which folks can learn and learn more rapidly mm-hmm. in order to apply concepts
0: and get feedback right like it's yeah. it's user feedback like does this translate to you does this not translate to you and also for those who are receiving the feedback or those who are being asked for the feedback, uh, going back to our co-creation component, you know, I remember we asked in the room, how many of you learned about your own logic model based upon right. somebody else sharing their logic model with you? Yeah, like There was this like, not only am I able to help you know provide thought and insight to your logic model, but I'm also learning about my logic model right. at the same time. So it created like a double effect of, of iteration in a sense, from being able to create that sharing uh, and learning environment around put your skateboard logic model together first and get real feedback from real people.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And then, as you know, we built on that over time. In the first session, folks created a logic model. And then in the second session, we kind of bridged that into creating story um and people wrote imperfect headlines and we called them imperfect headlines right so that people you know again storytelling can feel scary to folks it's like how do i do it i'm not and if i'm not a storyteller i can often think i'm i'm quote unquote no good at it and so part of the you know the skateboard can be used in heavier or lighter fashions there's almost a spectrum to it and the lightest way to use it is just to say you know, write your imperfect X or try your imperfect Y, right? In any meeting, because it automatically says to folks, this is safe to try and whatever I put out there is okay, right? Sakura, I think you were talking earlier about it. It kind of lightens the psychological or cognitive lift.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm not worried about, you know, whether or not you're going to judge me. Now, maybe right? you still might. I don't know. But well, and this actually gets into a a really important how uh, component of, if you're the one who's wanting to do a skateboard, but you don't necessarily have a culture around that. Yeah. um, What are some tips that you have, Sarah, that you think about around how do people start to incorporate this? Especially if you're the one who's like, I've got a document, it's not ready yet, right? Or I have a graphic design, or I have a deck, or I have a whatever. I mean, it could be anything, right? A logic model. anything, anything at all in terms of something that you're trying to build. How do people bring people into this type of an experience, even if they don't have a culture for it?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I'm almost going to ask you to answer it because (laughs) I think you, so you're the one, I, I think you should share Tucker about how you start using the frame. Because I, I think the frame's at the base of it, right? People need the language. They need the mm. tool in order to understand it. So tell folks about how you leverage the frame to help build the base of understanding, if you would.
0: Well, I mean, I share the frame, first of yeah. all, um, you know, which is, hey, can we agree that we're trying to big build a big, beautiful X, right? Program right. model revenue strategy, strategic plan. I don't know, whatever it is, that big, beautiful thing that you're trying to build, like, you know, six months from today or whatever. Um, and you might, uh, from an enrollment language, we call it enrollment language, but language that helps people come into this. You may even share the frame, which by the way, we're having the show notes. We'll have a visual for you that you can actually see an example of this. So take a look in the show notes on our website, thrive slash podcast. Um, but, uh, the language, words create worlds. Like the language we use uh, really matters. Um, and so I might just flat out say, you like to say this with this old Brene Brownism, which is clear as kind. Yeah. You know, you might just be clear about it. Like, hey, as Sarah, you were just saying, this is an imperfect uh, social media post for our, you know, or uh, an imperfect. You know it, it's not done yet it needs help it needs support uh-huh. you might just be blatantly honest about that and say and i'm doing this because i really want to co-create the best possible way forward Yeah. Uh, i really want to engage your wisdom right that that yeah. speaks to that that they actually have something to offer in you know in the the creation of whatever it is that you're creating so i think that's a piece of it um, another piece of it that i use uh, when facilitating especially is i generally speaking am kind of anti-deck meaning if it looks done then it's going to feel done to others yeah and so when i when we think about minimum viable like this is why we say like the 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 napkin idea is the first impact pyramid we jokingly say it's on the back of some napkin we sketched um you know or i'll draw it on my ipad or something that doesn't look done uh, intentionally like blatantly intentionally um because it, it helps people to feel like it's not done and that there's room for improvement too, yeah. right? Hence why you were talking about when we do the impact pyramid, we were like, this is not ready yet. Yep. Let's make it ready. Let's continue to iterate on this and here's our journey. So there's both the the language you might use. So if you're going to a staff member or even your CEO, you might go to them and say, hey, if you're a fundraiser as an example, you might say, hey, I've got a, I've got a deck here or I've got an outline of a deck that um, here's my talking points and it's not ready yet. And I wanna just engage your wisdom on this, um, but I wanna give you something to react to. Yeah. yeah, Um You know, so like little bits of language like that of um, that help people come into that type of an experience. It's really expectation setting is what it is, right? If they're expecting a done product and you give them a not done product, then that's gonna be right. tough for them to interact. And then you're probably gonna feel judgment uh, or some form of like, is this really done? Like, ew. Um, but if you actually co-create it with them, it it gets to, as you've been sharing, it gets to done in a potentially faster way, uh, but in one that already has incorporated the buy-in of other people in the journey.
1: For sure, and I think, you know, to unpack a little bit what you said, and as somebody has come in and watched you do this, I think, um, you know, starting with the visual, which again, we'll put in the show notes of the literal skateboard and giving people not just a verbal language, but a visual in their mind around this, I think is super key. And so at the organization level, if this is something you want to lean into, like use this visual, you know, bring it to a staff meeting or whatever meeting you're at. And you're going to be like, I want to try a new process with y'all. And let me show you this visual to tell you what I mean. Um, So, I I think that's step one. And then, step two is that using that language, as you just shared, to say, you know, I'm going to share something with you that's at the skateboard level and something you do frequently, Tucker, is then take that visual back up and circle the skateboard. Right. Again, you're setting expectations, but in a visual way about where folks are in the journey. And you could use that diagram almost throughout. You could say, OK, we started at skateboard. You know what? Now we're here. We're at Scooter, y'all, which means that we've done some work to get here and we still have a ways to go. And then, you know, as you continue to go, it's really helpful for to help orient to folks to where you are. Right. I remember when we were working with Greater Nashua. Um, and we were almost done. And we would say, We're we're at the place where we're painting the color of the car, right? Do you mm, remember we used that? Yes, yes. And we set that expectation like that because they knew then the level of feedback we were looking for, right? We weren't going back to skateboard. We were at paint color level. Mm -hmm. And so I think Mm -hmm. one of the things that that visual does is it doesn't just help you teach on it. If you continue to use it, it helps orient people to where you are and continually set those expectations.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, and we've even seen this uh, one of I think it was Indy uh, who shared with us, like they started (laughs) she started hearing the word skateboard in their meeting, like their regular staff meetings right and it and it created to your point it created a language that people could use like oh what's the skateboard version um that they and they understand what that is it became it became a common language it is a common language for them uh and again it creates that space of psychological safety and and a lighter psychological lift in general (laughs) that and and that way people can now start saying we do this all the time with each other all right here's my skateboard version you know and we'll do v1 v2 v3 v4 Uh, like I did that with a fundraising deck as an example I was like what is this this is not ready to go this is not ready for prime time." and uh, I you know I'm at a place where there's way too much in it you know I just like went out of my way to say like all those things yeah that allowed you guys to come in and feel the freedom actually this is another point to feel the freedom to provide real honest legitimate feedback too is you didn't feel like you were gonna hurt my feelings Right. Or you don't yeah, feel right. like you were going to like completely blow up all of my work, uh, and and feel bad if you were. Uh, you were able to actually give honest, legitimate feedback because I set the conditions for that to happen. Right. Um. And that's a really important piece because at the end of the day, we want honest feedback. Like, it's all it's all about learning and it's all about creating that impact. It's not necessarily about my ego or your ego or anybody else's ego. We want to have contribution, but how do we create the conditions that allow for others to contribute in a way that is honest and it's real? um and the skateboard is another way of doing that
1: mm. yeah absolutely it's been such a such a dramatic tool and for me i was sharing with you earlier you know at my last organization i i, I naturally had this instinct and in some ways i'm a bit of a perfectionist and that I, I like to get things perfect but i also love co-creation is part of my dna i i always more feedback is better like that's just my opinion um because i found it to be true and yet i didn't have a language to use and so i would often you know start things and literally and uh, you know within like 45 minutes of starting a document um and that's a long time for me i'll be itching to send it out like itching you know <laughs> Um, because I'm like, it's good enough. I've gotten enough down so that Mm. people can interact with it and give me something back before I spend more time there. Mm. And that for me is someone who's always thinking about how to use my time most productively. I think the skateboard for me, that language, has given me the freedom to not do more work than is necessary based on the stage that a thing is at. So if it's at the V1 level, right? Like put in an inch of work, that's it because all you're doing is putting something up on the wall for other people to help you make better, right? Now, as the stages go on, you may need to increase the depth of your work. But you know, again, if you're a busy nonprofit leader, um, this is gonna save you time if you use it because you're gonna have to spend less time up front doing work that you're then gonna have to change based on feedback um, because you've gone too far. So I, I definitely think it's a real uh time saver and a prioritization helper for busy nonprofit leaders.
0: Awesome. Well, um I love this episode. It's pragmatic, it's specific. Um, I think for if you're a nonprofit leader out there, give this a try, right? Work on your way to enroll people into this type of an experience. Take a look at the show notes again for the visual itself and test it out with your team, with your, you know, if you're the CEO or the ED, uh, do the same with your team. That's actually a great idea because it shows that you want their feedback. That's a great way of co-creating, you know, your own strategy. So wherever you're at, if you're managing up or managing down or managing across, wherever it is you are, this is a helpful tool that you should be able to use uh, and test it out, right? See how it goes. And and create more of that learning environment that we all actually want to be a part of, which is uh, continuous improvement and ongoing iteration. Um, cool. Any last any last thoughts before we uh, before we go?
1: Give it a try, right? I, as we say, it's safe to try. A thrive impact, so you safe know, just try. give it
0: a try. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you everybody for joining us for this episode. Uh, hopefully, this was helpful, and uh, if it was. We'd love for you to uh, add a review in whatever, wherever you listen to your podcast, maybe that's an Apple or Spotify or Google or wherever it is. Uh, Please add some stars and a review. Let us know. We measure our own impact, hence uh, why our name is Thrive Impact, literally, is we actually do measure our own impact. And so we want to know if this is having impact on you. Uh, Leave a review for us or shoot us an email, uh, hello at thriveimpact.org, and we'd love to be able to connect with you. and uh, and see what other episodes you'd actually like to hear about from either from us, from Sarah and I and our team, or from uh, the people that we interact with, some great nonprofit leaders. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Thank you.
1: Thanks, y'all.